Santa invented Spielberg and microchips. Santa invented Coca-Cola and aerobics. He made the Iron Curtain and the Gremlins too. Fake butter and AIDS and Twin Peaks. What are what are your quintessential uh, J.K. Simmons performances? Because he's yeah. been with us for a long time. Oh. He's worked with many of the great directors. He's, uh, I guess, primarily film. I can't remember him being on TV, though certainly. Oh, oh he's on like a couple episodes of Party Down, which <laughs> um, <laughs> he's very funny on, as you might have. Oh, he's on BoJack Horseman. Uh, how could I? How oh. could I forget? As uh, That's Larry Turtle Talk, a show that uh, I've seen. Uh, yeah. I'm taking that you haven't seen BoJack Horseman. <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs> I, I tried to. I really did. I tried. And you didn't. You didn't go. And how? It, just, it didn't stick. It didn't stick. How far did you make it? I'm just curious. Um, I think the first episode. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, it did. You know, you it did. It, uh huh. I think you need a little more time than that. Um, to be fair, I don't really remember the first season of BoJack Horseman at all yeah. because I was recovering from second degree burns when I was watching it. So I was like on mm -hmm. a lot of pain medication. So like the first season of BoJack Horseman might as well not exist for me. And when we're like late in season six of BoJack Horseman and they're like bringing back characters from it, I'm like, who is this? And my partner at the time had to be like, they're from like the, you don't remember that from the first season? I was like, I don't remember fucking, <laughs> I don't remember fucking anything <laughs> from the first season uh, because of because of my friend Vicodin, actually. Probably the best way to watch that, honestly. Honestly, especially because like the second to last episode is just like a drug trip to the edge of Bojack Horseman's soul. So like, yeah. that was honestly the right way to do it, I think. Yeah. Um, I, um, he's in Spider-Man and he's in Whiplash. The two, Those uh, are two excellent of the things that pop up. Yeah. One for which he won an Oscar and another for which he should have won an Oscar. For his performance as J. Jonah Jameson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Editor-in-Chief of the time. Daily Bugle. There's still, time, There's still time to get a retroactive <laughs> for them, for the well, Academy. He's still, he's still, like, portraying fucking J. Jonah Jameson in the new ones. Yeah, but, like, do you... Okay, I want you to be honest with me. Do you think, like, John Watts <laughs> and Kevin Feige are going to give him the juicy material that Sam Raimi did? I didn't see this movie, and you did. Does he do anything in this movie? Um, He does uh, the same. He does the same thing. The same thing, yeah. But does and, it have the indelible charm? Is it? Does it feel? No, I don't know. No. He's more <laughs> antagonistic, if that's possible. <laughs> than that he With was a very in little threat. Yeah. Yeah. Previously, he loved Spider-Man. Now it seems as if he thinks he is a threat and a, and a menace. Okay. Um. So <laughs> I guess there's still time if they want to keep. If they want to keep doing this. <laughs> Um, he could still win or like if the Academy sits down, you know, for their screening of No Way Home, I guess, to like judge its visual effects for your consideration. And um, unless Marvel releases one of its hilarious for your consideration posters for Spider-Man, have you ever seen Marvel's for your consideration posters? I don't think so. There's I probably have. <laughs> so funny uh the the one for i'm gonna try and find it and send it to you uh avengers endgame for your consideration is like a <laughs> moody shot of <laughs> oh, i found it yay it's so funny 
<laughs> that they're like, please give us an Oscar. And it looks like a fucking, it looks like it's from like Steve McQueen's Hunger. It's so funny. It's like Tony Stark just like at the end of his rope looking at a helmet. Oh, fuck. I have to, I have to send this to you right now. It's so funny. <laughs> it's so, oh, God. Oh, God. There we go. In the Skype chat. <laughs> In the fuck. Oh, no. <laughs> it's black and white. It's so, like, oh, it's so sparse. Funny. It looks like the fucking, I don't know, like, nymphomaniac character posters or something. It's so, <laughs> it's so fucking funny. Um, and when Kevin Feige every year is like, there's an anti-superhero bias at the Oscars. They don't give us... <laughs> And I'm like, maybe make a better movie, Kev. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not saying everything that's won an Oscar is, like, great. Would never say that about the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences. (laughs) However, if you want to win Oscars, maybe don't make Spider-Man Far Way Home of the quality at which you made it. Maybe. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. Yeah. I always loved J.K. Simmons in Burn After Reading. Um, which is not a movie that I am crazy about, but Jason is in it. He is. He's only at like the end. He has two scenes. Oh, he's where, like, like, a, like, oh, he works yeah. for like the FBI or the CIA or something. <laughs> yeah. And like this guy named Palmer keeps coming in and giving him reports about the events of the movie burn after reading. And one of them yeah. is like in the middle of the movie. And the one of them is at the end where they're like, yeah, Oswald, he killed this guy and then she went crazy and ran away. And he's like, what did we learn here, Palmer? <laughs> I guess we learned uh, not to fucking do it again. <laughs> uh, he kills. He kills. And obviously he's great in Whiplash. Obviously he was. Yeah. Obviously that was great. Um, yeah. J.K. Simmons, one of my favorite guys. Every time he pops up, I'm like, ah, there. this scene's going to be good because here's my boy. <laughs> here's, I just wish he would do... More, more like, like Whiplash, Whiplash, I think. I agree. Not like, like there's so much there, and, and he, he just keeps feeling like he did Invincible, Invincible I think, right? Um, what? he did Invincible, the TV, TV show. show? Oh, right? I forget about that show, yeah. the the superhero yeah. one. When you said Invincible, yeah. I thought about the Mark Wahlberg football movie. Yeah, <laughs> 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 I was like, in that one. maybe he did. All right, he was in Juno. Now I'm on the man's IMDb. Oh, You're he right. was in he Juno. Was, he wasn't Invincible. That show I didn't watch. It, it, you don't need to. What if Superman was a fucked up guy? Actually. I love that. I just watched the boys. Yeah, Amazon made two What If Superman Was a Fucked Up Guy shows at the same time. It's it's like, it's really lazy. Maybe those shows are good, but I was like, come on, guys. Come on. I like the boys. I like the boys. Heard it's good. I'll continue to watch it. Yeah. Yeah. Heard heard that one is uh, quite good, but I just. I'm sorry. I uh, have been into comics for a long time. And the what if Superman was a fucked up guy thing was like so 20 years ago. I'm like, I'm not into mm-hmm. it anymore. Um, but <laughs> anyway, sorry. Oh, he's in Palm oh, Springs. You. Did you see Palm Springs? I did, I did see, see Palm, Palm Springs. Springs. He, was he was so the other guy. good. He was he the was other guy. He was yeah. Roy. He was the fucked up guy who kept coming after him. The movie was good. I'm going to watch that again. I like that movie. 
I thought it was, was very a good fun. one. It was a it was a winner. Yeah. Uh, fantastic. Uh, well, let's. I, I think we. I think we. I think we got it. I think. I think we did. Our- <laughs> I finally did what I uh, was fearing I would do, and I kicked uh, the microphone cord oh, no. oh, no. uh, so hard that it came unplugged. So uh, <laughs> I had to. I had to rectify that. Uh, and now we are uh, now we're now we're good. And I'm finally yes, moving yes. it out of the way of my own dangling feet. I am finally taking proactive steps to fix problems in my life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I am no longer wallowing <laughs> and and feeling stuck. I'm trying to take proactive steps to make a better life for myself. Oh, I'm so proud of you. Thank you. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Um, you have done, to my knowledge, one podcast. Um, that's not true. Whoa! You've done more than one. Whoa. Oh, oh my god. You, you are a professional, <laughs> I think, actually. I, I think you're not officially a professional. Um, uh, was on a Royals, Kansas City, Kansas City Royals podcast at one point, giving my opinion woo! on someone who does not watch the Royals, and them winning the, whatchamacallit, the World Series. The baseball uh, Oscars. The baseball yeah, thing. Um, the game. The yeah, baseball thing. Yeah. That one um, game that they play once a year. Yeah, fantastic. Um, so, so great. Things are going well uh, on the first episode of uh, <laughs> Waiting for Laura, a Twin Peaks podcast, yeah. where I am finally going to watch Twin Peaks. Uh, I am, of course, uh, TV's Kevin Lanigan, and uh, I am the one who put the taxidermy deer head on the table in the bank safety deposit <laughs> box room. That was me. You know, it was a good, it was, it was a good joke. It was very funny. It was a good prank on my part, yeah. actually. Yeah. Who, do who I are go? you? I'm, I don't, I don't know. Who knows? Um, I'm Emma and I have seen Twin Peaks. Um, I am very excited to watch Kevin watch Twin Peaks and hear everything that he has to say about it. Very excited. Yes. Um, all of, all and of my great I, thoughts. Yeah. I um, was the one flickering the lights in Laura's mortuary room. <laughs> that was you. You were <laughs> uh, you were Nosferatu in that one Spongebob yeah. episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, perfect. Uh, great. So I think, uh, and, and, uh, for those of you, uh, on the Patreon, welcome behind the paywall. Uh, I've also probably put this episode out on all the free feeds as well to entice you to, to lure you behind the paywall with a little taste, <laughs> with a little, with a little sample platter, with a little amuse-bouche. You come behind the paywall, you pay for the show. Um, and it's, and it's, and it's great. It's fun back here. Uh, for as little as one dollar a month, you can listen to uh, Emma and I watch Twin Peaks. Myself, uh, largely for the first time, and I'll explain that in a sec. Uh, Emma, you've been through the show. Tell me about your Twin Peaks life. Tell me about your Twin Peaks uh, journey. Oh man, my Twin Peaks life, my journey started when I was in college. I think it was. It wasn't super early. Um, I know my mom was a really big fan of it, and we had the. Uh, the cassette of the soundtrack that would be playing. Um, my mom would play it in the car when I was a kid. So the, the sounds, of, <laughs> like the theme song. And um, I think her name was Julie Cruz, the um, the woman who would sing the like the falling song. 
Um, I think at the end of this episode, she's saying that, um, but that might be the second episode. I can't remember. Um, so that, that was like the soundtrack, partial soundtrack until my mom upgraded to a non cassette player car. Um, but no, I watched it. I started watching it in high school or not high school, college, um, got through it. Um, and then was in love with it. I think I did several papers on it in film school. Um, and when the return came out, it was my shit. And I probably couldn't even tell you how many times I've seen this series. It's probably one of my favorites, like top five for sure. Top five all, all time. Around. So good. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Uh, that's great. Great. And so you, uh, you are the, you are the keeper of the secrets. You, uh, hold <laughs> a lot of Twin Peaks knowledge to your, to your heart. Um, I think we're going to do this largely, uh, just conversing about uh, episodes we've already talked about for the show. So uh, even though uh, Emma obviously has a lot of knowledge and I myself know a few things, I think we're going to, unlike the community podcast, I think we're going to do this with the impression that there might be other people doing this for the first time as well, like watching along for the first mm-hmm. time, if that's okay with you. Yeah, yeah, no problem. <laughs> no strong opinions from Emma uh fantastic hey, you're you're the personality here <laughs> i guess so i guess, uh that's okay so uh a little bit about my own uh twin peaks journey there's not much of it i think i've seen the first three episodes like three or four times at this point um in what i call an it crowd scenario uh, because that is exactly what i've seen of the it crowd as well um i started it once in college uh, given it the old college try and it just did not stick for me in a way I wanted it to. And then in my early podcasting life, um, the, the second podcast I ever tried to really get off the ground was, um, a Twin Peaks podcast, uh, where we were also going to watch and talk about Twin Peaks and then, uh, scheduling and one of the co-hosts, uh, ended up being pretty, Unstable, so we decided to not continue with the Twin Peaks podcast. Uh, but uh, now is my redemption arc. Now is my time, uh, as I'm looking for uh, various ways and excuses to hang out and talk with Emma. Uh, the <laughs> this uh, sort of uh, spurned up. I attempted to incept this into her brain uh, for a very long time, and it seems as if my efforts, much like the uh, characters in Inception, have have been rewarded paid off in the end the little top that uh tells me whether or not uh emma will do a twin peaks podcast it it fell over <laughs> it fall down uh i pushed it over i did I you did. you shoved it yeah. over I, you I shoved the table yeah that like minute frame at the end of inception where you're like did it oh did it move oh uh yeah you people fucking burning holes in their dvds just like trying to <laughs> trying to frame <laughs> skip see find that evidence um an event previously seen in uh x-men the last stand where it, it, appe- it appears that magneto has lost his powers um but you see he maybe moved that chess piece with his magnet powers maybe you don't Ooh. know 
uh, maybe he did. Maybe it moved a little bit. And then by the next movie, he just has them back, and it's never it's never addressed <laughs> again. Uh, it's never brought up uh, one one at, at all. Um, so this is this is fun. And Twin Peaks is a lot like the Fox X Men franchise in that it uh, was very popular when it dropped. Nineteen eighty nine. Nineteen eighty right? na- no, nineteen ninety. This is a oh, non eighties. And it, yes, this pilot would have been filmed in late 1989, um, then uh, edited, because it is essentially a feature film. It is an hour and a uh, half yeah. long. Um, it is, of course, pilot, a.k.a. Northwest Passage, uh, directed by David Lynch, written by Mark Frost and David Lynch, uh, originally aired on Sunday, April 8th, 1990. So this was like a full, this was CBS's night. Uh, it was just airing this pilot of Twin Peaks that would come back uh, four days later for like its regular spot. But this was like a Sunday night preview event watched by 35 million people live, <laughs> which uh, nothing reaches those numbers anymore. Uh, absolutely nothing. Um, you know, it, for comparison uh, on the community podcast we just got done with, uh, the average viewer was about 2 million people, I think. Uh, so this was a just a vast gulf. Uh, I don't think it's up there in, like, the most watched TV events of all time, like the finale of MASH or what have you. But 35 million people is nothing is nothing to spit at. Okay. Um, I want, I'm kinda, curious to see how, how mm-hmm. it drops off. How quickly uh, pretty drops off. precipitously and soon. <laughs> but still... But, like, it it... Throughout the first... Uh, season, it really keeps with a solid 20 million per episode, which I think is still, wow. like, was obviously pretty good. It was a, it was a hit show. It was very popular, yeah. which in some ways is kind of mystifying to me that this was very popular. <laughs> not because it is not good, but because David Lynch made it. And he's mm-hmm. weird. He makes weird off-putting stuff intentionally. <laughs> and it's weird that this played, like, fucking Titanic. That this played like the fucking Walking Dead or or Game of Thrones or the fucking Big Bang Theory. Before them, there was twin fucking peaks. I think it was, I think, I'd love to see how they advertised it, honestly. Um, that would be something. Because you've got, because you've got like David Lynch and you've got his like, you know, all of his weird shit. But it's also written by Mark Frost, who was like David Lynch's leash as far as like <laughs> toning down all that weird shit, it was it was a soap opera. I think, and I would yeah. wouldn't be shocked if they didn't advertise it as a soap opera. And especially towards the end of this episode, they definitely set up like all the affairs and all of this stuff, all the juicy stuff outside of Laura's murder. That like I feel like people stayed with it to know who Absolutely. killed Laura, but also to know like how this jungle of thorns just like completely unravels absolutely uh so in the in the david lynch uh chronology uh i think this comes at an interesting place because obviously there's a racer head in 77 then elephant man and then dune mm-hmm. um and then blue velvet <laughs> is 86 this series debuts the same year as my uh personal favorite david lynch film wild at heart <laughs> um <laughs> A film I adore, uh, easily my favorite uh, Lynch work, and uh, it stars Nicolas Cage, Willem Dafoe, and Laura Dern. If you had any mm-hmm. questions as to why, this one was my favorite. 
Those are no, a I lot don't think of Blue my... Velvet's my favorite. Andrew, I think that is sort of his uh, masterpiece. <laughs> his like his yeah. his his best well known film. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's his like taxi driver or his goodfellas or something you know if you want to compare it to my boy my boy marty um it's yeah so that's that's where that comes along i mean very different gentlemen i'm just trying to like what their his most upheld work at least outside of outside of twin peaks though uh many refer to uh twin peaks the return as as his uh true masterwork and uh i'll be the judge of that I'm sure you will. I'm sure I you will. will judge it. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I would agree with that. I don't know. I don't know. I liked it. Uh, I, this first season is delightful. It's. I mean, the return is super good, and we'll get to that. I'm. I'm assuming we'll get to that. But um, no, this first season, especially the first pilot episode, really is like almost perfect. It's so good. It's pretty uh, excellent. The first. The first couple times I watched it, I found it pretty slow. I found it, like, mm-hmm. very uh, lethargic, you know? Like, Dale Cooper doesn't even come in for the first half hour in a real, like, Marge Gunderson Fargo situation. Um, <laughs> but honestly, in the years that have followed my initial attempt to watch Twin Peaks, I've tried to watch a lot of Netflix originals, and honestly compared to most Netflix shows, Twin Peaks moves at a lightning fast pace. (laughs) Twin Peaks fucking cooks in a way no Netflix show does in 1990. (laughs) We wouldn't be introduced, I think, to Dale Cooper until season, or until episode four, at least. Like, I right like my thinking because now apparently my brain is broken and this is what I do is like the the comparison I've always used is like if Community were a Netflix show they would not become a study group until the end of the first season yeah. as opposed to the end of the first episode I honestly think if 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 Twin Peaks were a Netflix original Dale Cooper would come in at the end of the first episode at the earliest <laughs> at the <laughs> earliest possible moment we would just be wasting time i don't know why netflix's business model its artistic strategy is waste everyone's time the plots that they're deciding to go with are nothing they have like the plot is not the like i don't even know what i want to say about that but it's like they're not plots that can stretch to eight to ten hours they're they're not focusing (laughs) on what's interesting about the story that they're trying to they're focusing on the exposition of the story that they're trying to tell and they just never get to the story that they're trying to tell 99% of Netflix series should have been movies right they just don't have the amount of story to cover 8 to 10 hours they just don't and uh, there, there are very, very few like the, the Witcher or the aforementioned Bojack Horseman where I'm like you're at, you have enough story. This is not boring. This is, yeah. you're, you're filling up your time here. Um, I don't know. Do you want to, do, do you want to dive on in? Do you want to talk about the events yeah. of Pilot, AKA Northwest Passage? Yeah, let's go for it. So we open on a shot of a bird. What does it mean? <laughs> <laughs> what does it mean as a bird slowly you, fades to a logging mill? Um, have you, you've seen Blue Velvet. Yes, right. I have. So, like, I think it's in the beginning of Blue Velvet. There is also a robin. He likes a robin. He likes birds. He likes a bird. He likes birds. He like, what does it mean? He, what does it mean? He likes to. 
he likes to pan underneath the suburban uh, mowed lawns and find a bunch mm-hmm. of fucking worms down there. He loves yeah. to do it. Um, I guess if, you know, when when people uh, salaciously and wrongfully referred to WandaVision as being Lynchian, I guess that's what <laughs> they were referring to, which was his... Like, because someone had told them once that, like, Blue Velvet was about, like, suburbia, right? Um, If you have seen any of David Lynch's work, you would never call WandaVision Lynchian. (laughs) Um, But but he likes to dive under these sort of idyllic circumstances and and find the fucking rats underneath, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that everything is kind of is kind of fucked, you know, and and Kyle McLaughlin in Blue Velvet finding like an ear, a ear, severed ear yeah. with ants crawling all over it. Uh, the the oh, equivalent okay. of that, I suppose, is like finding Laura Palmer uh, dead, wrapped in plastic. <laughs> She's dead, wrapped. She's in plastic. dead. What a guy. <laughs> um, Pete Martell is so he's like. If we ever rank our like our characters for Twin Peaks, he is near my top. He is so funny. He's such a good he's, character. So he's a guy. He comes back because I didn't notice him. I yeah, didn't clock yeah. him a lot in this episode. This episode was a lot was, of like yeah. sexy teen drama. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, the trash bit of the show, in my opinion. But the the trash bit is the sexy teen drama. Oh yeah. Okay, yeah, because I did not yeah. find it phenomenally interesting. No. I did. I well, they, they, that's like one end. So you've got the adult, like trashy adult drama, and you've got the trashy teen drama, and it's like neither of those I give two shits about. Um, uh huh. But I think what bothers me more is the teen Donna and James. I just can't. I just can't. Uh, I can't with that. We'll just we'll get to it. Um. It's honestly like the last, I know there's like, there is interesting stuff in the last 30 minutes of this episode, but I think the first hour is so strong and I struggle a lot with like, once we get to the point where like they're burying lockets in the wood, I'm like, I don't know about this so much. I don't know about this so much. Um, But this episode is so strewn with these like interesting details. And we've talked about them a little bit. These like interesting setting choices these interesting like ways to dress the scene to like make them immediately visually interesting but also like be thematically relevant to like the kind of story that you're telling so like the the deer head on the bank counter that i cited earlier was like is yes funny but it is also like illustrative of like this town is not ready for what is <laughs> is yeah. what is like bubbling under the surface, right? Like we are a town where like the police secretary has time to stack up donuts in these little <laughs> piles. They are not ready for like the level of shit that is about to fucking yeah. blow all over them. It's wild. But yes, uh, we get the death of Laura Palmer. We then spend the next... 20 minutes watching people react to learning that Laura Palmer mm-hmm. is dead. Uh, right? And, and, you know, Honestly, like, that, I feel like is my, like, one of my favorite and most memorable parts of the entire series, is each person's like, reaction to Laura's death, especially Leland, her dad. Um, which yeah. is just, that. I mean, that's rife with, like, context and subtext if you, the further you get into the series, is his reaction to it. Um, 
it's just beautiful. I love it. And yeah. the uh, uh, the little the when they're in class and they have um, the I, th- I guess it's the principal that like announces it over the intercom, and it's like as he's in tr- like announcing it, like James and Donna see that girl scream across the like courtyard outside. It's just yeah. like. It's so and fast. they know what's up, yeah. right? Yeah. Like they they know what's up immediately, immediately. Um, and so that's fascinating too. Yeah, like, it is. No. It is really well done. the The scene where like uh, Mother Palmer is like looking around for her, that is very distressing to mm-hmm. me. Her the, entire character drives me. It's nuts. very upsetting. <laughs> <laughs> it's like just like again, just like putting this yourself girl. in her shoes for a brief empathetic moment. You're like, oh fuck, that is like get out. Fuck out of here. that is the number one scariest <laughs> thing in the entire world, right? And then right, then we go to uh, Leland, who is like at a uh, with a bunch of Norwegian <laughs> businessmen in the local hotel. Um, is that the hotel that Dale is going to be put up into? Is yes, that the, yeah. the, Great, the Northern? Great Northern? Or... Yeah, it's I think okay. the only hotel in the city, which happens to be like this insane luxury like lodge that's located at the top of a waterfall. Like, right, ridiculous. it's not a <laughs> shitty motel. It's it's actually like a beautiful <laughs> luxury situation. Um, yes, so yeah, we get all the we and it, we get all these like characterful introductions of these teens. Even if I am not particularly currently interested in any of them, but I at least know their deal. I'm not waiting to find out what the fuck they're all about. I like we we understand everything we need to know about Bobby from this introduction that he's like having this it's not an affair if you're not married, but like he's cheating on Laura with the waitress at the local diner. Um this this trucks in one of my favorite uh, tropes, which is uh, high school teens getting up to a lot of business before school. Which I don't, <laughs> I can't speak to your personal experience. I was not up to anything before before school. I got up as late as I possibly could. Yeah. I was not. Well, I was are... not going to the diner to have breakfast going back to my <laughs> mistress's house to fuck her and then going to school i was not doing that well these are also like actors that are like 25 years old and so like 100%. and it it had this like even now i feel like we have these actors that are portrayed as adults with adult like tendencies and adult habits but they still have to somehow go to school around like at one point in the day <laughs> Right, you have like uh, James, the that thirty-five-year-old man with the <laughs> with the incredible forehead. This biker lad, like whatever. who's just friends with all the other bikers in town that are somehow also just not in school. Right, mystifying, uh, wild. You get uh, Donna as played by uh, Laura Flynn Boyle, who we mm-hmm. all know from Wayne's World. We all know her from Wayne's World as Stacy, the psycho hose beast. Mm-hmm. Um, an incredible performance. So sad they couldn't get her back for Wayne's World 2. Um, we love it. And uh, and we get uh, Audrey, uh, who is hot. That's sort of her <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That's, well, that's sort the, of her big character the, trait. The, the trope of innocence and the... Um potential trope for loss of innocence throughout the the first series but we'll get we will get to that interesting i mean she's a brat she's the like 
she is well she is a well-written brat and it drives me nuts (laughs) she absolutely drives me nuts right she has money she's hot and she knows it she she's a she's a classic (laughs) brat a true brat her introduction when like the teacher is calling off like names for who's here she says here with like like quotations is so fucking funny to me here (laughs) (laughs) am i really here are any of us present (laughs) (laughs) are any of us present okay um yeah my parents live in wyoming i live in the moment um (laughs) yeah perfect i'm so sorry that i quoted how i met your mother on this podcast i'll never do it again Uh, that's fine i just it'll be lost on me so that's up to you good for you honestly uh aged like fucking milk anyway moving moving on it's um somehow it had worse politics than friends and like you'd Mm. think that would be like impossible but it did Mm. also another show that i really did not not watch did not watch oh well i was busy watching twin peaks (laughs) yeah over and over and over again right (laughs) When every when all these when all these woke teens were getting really into friends for whatever reason, you were what you were watching Twin Peaks. Twin Peaks and Frasier. That's me. <laughs> you take one part Twin Peaks, you take two parts Frasier, and then you have Emma. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just that simple. Yeah. Right. Uh, who else? Who else we got? We have um, what is he? Sheriff Harry S. Truman. Oh, Harry S. Truman. Yeah, yeah. It, a cab, a cab, especially Harry S. Truman. <laughs> but not Harry. Do not. not I don't Harry. care about this man. He's incompetent. He's ineffectual. He seems nice enough. This myth he's, of like the impossibly nice small town sheriff, you know, given yeah. off big he's very James pragmatic. Marsden, Sonic the Hedgehog yeah. energy here. Yeah. <laughs> given he's off. a prag- he, He's a pretty pragmatic but emotionally driven sheriff and that's really all you can hold for the small town yes in a in a town like twin peaks right because like you know i remember small town cops and they were they were not reminiscent of harry s truman so i guess we should be lucky i love his uh secretary she is oh uh, oh what's her name very funny i couldn't something like that kitty from arrested development that sounds right that sounds good she's great i love her um i will protect her with my entire life actually she has a three-minute preamble to transferring the phone call to a fucking, <laughs> like, a different phone. It's great. It's all good. Lucy. Her name's Lucy. 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 There we go. Yeah. Um. I think you were thinking of Arrested Development, actually. I was thinking of it. It was. It's you, the well, there's it's that great scene in like the pilot where she says... <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? It's the same hair. Yeah. And then there is that scene in the pilot where she says... Harry, say goodbye to these, and she fucking pulls up, pulls up her shirt. <laughs> uh, we all remember it. It's a great scene, and yeah. um, they they realized pretty they quickly. They redid it in Earth Development. Yeah, it is a, an homage <laughs> to, <laughs> to Twin Peaks. Uh, but but uh, going back to those details, like the the flickering lights in the morgue, oh, um, yeah. are another of these details that like I I love, and it didn't quite act- activate my epilepsy, which I was very thankful for. I appreciate That's that. That's good. Yeah yeah and um but it's so again it's like this rinky dink town where like the lights in the morgue don't even work it's like we are really setting this up i didn't even see a single horse much less to make this a one horse town you know like it's just (laughs) the fucking middle of nowhere with its lumber mill with its like owned by that 
hot lady. I don't. Oh, <laughs> I didn't. Josie didn't. Josie yeah, didn't Packard. catch her name. Yeah, she seems cool. All about it. We she love is it. What she is. Yeah. yeah. She is what she is. And uh, it's it's uh, exquisite. And we are starting to get, even in this first episode, ideas that there this was more than just like a simple killing of a teenage girl. Uh, as as much as that is always like terrible, mm-hmm. there are. I don't. You don't get quite a supernatural vibe from this first episode, but there is like an implication of something much much bigger than mm-hmm. i don't know she met the wrong person in the woods right like much much bigger yeah than that. there there well, are yeah and that's what it starts to do it starts to unravel all of the the working figures in her life and how her death like completely explodes the top off of like how uh the wormy underground of this like quote-unquote small innocent town is actually not that at all whatsoever and that's, I think, the the simplest reading of it. But with the first, this first pilot, them not knowing exactly, you know, if they were going to get picked up or not, um, how they were going to initially um, introduce it. Uh, right, for sure. This gives you, again, not wasting uh, my time, like Netflix, like really getting into yeah. at least, you know, these, these first ideas. Um, and it'll be interesting to perhaps you know uh, something to this effect that that I simply do not. But like, I sometimes when they're writing these mystery shows, they don't actually have an answer to the mystery that they are currently writing. Um, I do have an answer to that, and I think it's interesting. I I read, was reading about this this morning, and apparently, when they were filming this pilot the network made them film the ending for an international release. So they knew from the very beginning how they were going to end it. Or not end it, but expose Laura's killer. Um, Which, I mean, if you watch the second season, then that is the ending to me. But they might as well just wrap it up at that point. But I think think you can tell. I think you can tell they knew. Yeah. Um, okay, so you're there. The, yeah. You you feel a distinctly plotted. Um, at least they know the end point. If they maybe add some yeah. some details as they go along. Yeah, I don't think it's quite as like obvious going into it. Um, but as each episode, I think goes. But yeah, I'd be curious to like see how you watch it the second time around. Um, sure, my inevitable yeah, uh, yeah. second go on on. Twin I mean. Yeah, inevitable yeah. the the return is what i'm really excited to get to and i know that that will be quite some time but the return is what is most enticing to me at the end of all this you know what i mean yeah. um not that i'm like itching to burn through the original series that was so iconic was so popular because I'm, I'm sure there's going to be much to love in there but it's like oh you're telling me they brought this back almost 30 years later with like Michael Sarah and Matthew Lillard, (laughs) you know, like Amanda Seyfried is, is on this show at some point, you know, obviously that is enticing to be in a particular sort of way. Um, and the vagaries I've heard about the, the return are so fucking interesting. (laughs) 
<laughs> to be. But I'm excited to take the entire the entire journey. Yeah. But we haven't even really talked about the like true, uh, perhaps brilliant stroke of this of this pilot. The 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 one character hook that is uh, instantly like iconic and memorable from Twin Peaks, which is of course. Special Agent Dale Cooper yeah. from the the FBI, the only good Fed. There is one good <laughs> Fed, and his name is Special Agent Dale Cooper. And what a guy! <laughs> what he, what a special little guy! I think he, oh God, he is like to me a masterclass in writing a good character because he gets his character done. He gets like his like motivations he's got his motivations for being there but he is so focused on like how wonderful the space that he is in that it completely dry like it it tells you more about his character him being so focused on the douglas furs and the pie and the coffee that it's just it's so lovely so he love he loves the details. You know, yeah. he's he's interested he he is a a man in search of information and and uh pleasures, right? And yeah. and finds this town so instantly uh Charm. charming at all of these yeah. at all of yeah. these uh different what this is Pacific Northwest, right? Obviously. Yeah, yeah. Washington a long, State. Yeah, a, yeah, well, a long like, way like from Quantico. Straight on the I think within the canon of the show twin peaks is supposed to be like right underneath the border of canada so it's gotcha. like yeah so like up in uh washington twilight town twilight yeah. territory but okay. really north yeah 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 super north super Remote, super yeah. twilight town yeah and uh yeah and the in the in the in the industries i mean what a it's truly like this guy shows up instantly. It, it really is like Marge Gunderson who would show up six years later in, in Fargo and just like, again, a character you completely understand from the moment they entered the screen through like a perfect synthesis of action and writing or actor and mm -hmm. writing, right? Like yeah. it is the tenor of his voice, this like... Mm -hmm. I, I cannot describe the way he speaks in a particular... It's, like, it's almost kind of melodic. Like, it has a sort of, like, uh, uh, woodwind quality to it in, like, the, in the pitch and the rhythm of his speech. But, like, his dialogue speaking into the tape recorder to Diane, and you know he is, like, an FBI agent from his introduction, and, of course, his, like, men in black, you know, outfit. Mm -hmm. But also this, like sing-songy way that he talks about pie and he's just so enthusiastic <laughs> about the pie and uh i know i've compared him to marge but honestly getting pretty big colombo vibes from this guy <laughs> getting pretty big lieutenant frank colombo vibes and it's not just because i have brain poisoning it's because in a similar sort of way the way he becomes the way that uh now you haven't seen any colombo which will be rectified at some point but the the way that Columbo will like presents as this strange figure that you think you have the upper hand on because he seems so immediately like 
imbecilic or childish or, you know, uh, presents yeah. himself in a non-threatening way, very untraditional of an FBI agent. You, you, you think you have the upper hand on him, but he is noticing details and circling around on things that you could not have noticed him picking up on because he presents as so, um, as if he doesn't know what's going on, as if he's like so distracted by the pie and the coffee that he doesn't notice the fucking reflection of a motorcycle in a girl's (laughs) that scene that that reminds me of that scene where he is like kind of interrogating bobby and i'll have to find the like primary source in which i am remembering kyle mclaughlin talking about how he was directed by david lynch to approach this scene as very aggressive as like like macho like fbi guy trying to intimidate bobby and instead he approached it with this like calm really like stoic like all-knowing smiley like fbi agent uh to bobby and it like it ended up working so well that i think that they like i don't know if they in the order in which they filmed it or if they refilmed like other scenes with him in it after this one but it's it's like I think it's all uh, like all of Dale Cooper's like special little quirks came from Kyle McLaughlin, and I think that's you should so... go over there and be yeah. macho. <laughs> you should go be a man's man, uh, and and Kyle of course uh, rejects that. Um, he says no. You know, he says yeah. no, and I it, it, obviously his instincts were fucking absolutely mm-hmm. correct um to 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 present this in a non-traditional way it just makes it so instantly iconic so instantly unique so instant i mean there's a reason that like he is the breakout character of twin peaks right and obviously he is as close as this show has to like a main character at least so far um i don't i i, I don't know yeah. If it, but it, it's obviously a large ensemble show, but he is the investigator yeah. trying to solve the mystery, right? And we have an ensemble of teens, and he is, he is again, like, I think, like, I, yeah, I, I think like how Marge he, is the main character of Fargo, yeah. even though she is yeah. not perhaps the even the most screen time in the movie. And I think like she shares, and just like Dale Cooper, I think he shares the spotlight, but that like that duo of like sharing the spotlight that other person rotates with whoever's story mm-hmm. we're focusing on. Um, so it's like Dale and then, or I, I would even argue like Dale and Laura are both the like main characters, obviously, and maybe one and the same um, as far as like how we're given information about Laura and given her, um, her story, I guess um, that mm-hmm. sounds silly, but no, but you're you're right, and you wouldn't expect yeah. the corpse to have a lot of role to play in the rest of the show. But like, yeah. I feel like we're going to get a lot of appearances from this mm-hmm. actor, even if it's in like flashbacks or memories or videotape yeah. or uh, you know that one image that I've seen that I'm not going to talk about uh, because there again might be people who haven't seen it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just it's so perfectly presented you know as he examines mm-hmm. each 
element that comes out of the bag and describes it in detail you know diane i'm holding a box of chocolate bunnies you know like in in my (laughs) hand i'm holding a box of chocolate bunnies then we just cut (laughs) diane uh it's 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 very funny it it, also much needed comedic relief in the middle of this like very dour serious heavy show right after like we've just watched 10 people react to a 17 year old's death Mm-hmm. getting the levity of Dale Cooper is important without undercutting the the severity. It doesn't l- lower the stakes having this guy around. Yeah. Mm. Uh, but all that is interesting. We we get our first glimpse <laughs> of the diary of Laura Palmer, which you Ooh, can yeah. read, you can buy you can. from your I've local bookstore. You, you have? No, yeah. I haven't read the oh, diary of Laura Palmer. <laughs> Uh, You've read the diary of Laura Palmer, but you have not seen the show. You were just yeah. I thought the diary was just fucking interesting to me. Literature. Written. Yeah, I just I started with the, the novels and I worked my way to the show. Um, yeah, I think I, I'm sure there's some lunatic who's done that, right? They just picked up that yeah. book not knowing what it was, and then oh, they're yeah. like, "Wait, there's a whole show. <laughs> there's a show. About, there's a, a show book. about this. There's a show about this based book? on the book. Whoa. There's a show about this book. There's uh, also like when I pick, uh, book of dale cooper's tapes to laura or not laura diane, diane. yeah there's a whole like a book transcript of, mm-hmm. ah. yeah and they're re- released simultaneously anything or to keep not. that merchandising dollar going you know and yeah. i mean just anything yeah. to keep the fucking money machine yeah. up printing uh well, and i think and if mark they're good, Ross just released another um like dossier of twin yeah. peaks um which is pretty cool I There's definitely <laughs> several, yeah, behind the scenes books <laughs> that they have released, and, and well, it's uh, like a, the dossier of like the mythology of Twin Peaks. Ah, yeah, like a, like, a, a lore rat, book. Yeah, yeah. All that. If lore. you wanted to, if you wanted to set a D and D campaign in the world of Twin Peaks, yeah. you know, you could you finally hey. have the lore bible <laughs> to make that work. Um, I would do. I've that. had worse ideas. I've had worse yeah. ideas, and. Um, Anyway, so that's that's all that's all good. But yeah, go go to your local Barnes and Noble, pick up a copy of this teenage girl's diary, uh, because you can do it. Um, this one is fictional. The diary of Anne Frank is real, but edited, but real. <laughs> nice double feature. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good that's a good book club. I think actually, <laughs> um, uh, brisk reads. I think you know, not not especially long. Oh yeah, neither neither of those are heavy at all whatsoever. No, 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 no. Really, a Just light summer reading. Girls. Uh, yeah. Poolside, poolside reading about a couple of teens. Beach read. And, uh, yeah, a real beach read. I think you know that, and uh, you know this one summer. You know, once you're once you're done with the latest John Grisham, you can pick up fucking. <laughs> it's so I I know that like people gobble up true crime. It is very fascinating that like a show about just like the death of a teenage girl became one of the most iconic pieces of television of all time and like not only that but a like a profoundly well watched piece of television like was a huge success while it was on but again the most successful podcasts are about actual murders so like i guess that's something we like (laughs) i guess that's something we obviously yeah i think that that's the biggest like one of the biggest pulls for this show anyway. And I think why it keeps like reviving itself outside of the aesthetics that were established in the show. I think at the time, like it was just, so the aesthetics are very like 1960s, like early seventies, like 
plaid like pinks and reds and like suits and big shoulder pads and all this stuff and i think that that was a gentle pull in the 90s because that type of fashion was revived and then i think even in like the 2010s when this kind of came back around that same type of fashion sense was coming back around as well but then i think you also have that like murder true crime aspect of it um that was just another pull and it's probably yeah. you know probably gonna come back around too honestly yeah i mean what Cyclic- it's the Cyclical. 30 year yeah. cycle of uh, culture or whatever uh, mm-hmm. Like, oh, we're suddenly getting a lot yeah. of Princess Diana uh, content, yeah. you know? Um, yeah. We're suddenly getting a lot of it. And she died in, what, 93? And it's now 2021. So it's like, mm-hmm. oh, yep, 30-year culture cycle. It just loops back yeah. around, you know? Um, you know, Back to the Future is about the 50s or whatever. You know, the 80s to the 50s. Yeah. It's just that, that perhaps uh, the 30-year yeah. nostalgia cycle. But maybe... Yeah. <coughs> oh, my God. <coughs> But maybe fashion moves in a different circle. Honestly. Oh, no. I think, like, there's, like, the... I'm not too much of an expert either, but I do have a TikTok, so I I can witness the resurgence of, like, Y2K fashion and, like, barrettes, like, plastic barrettes and crimping of hair and things like that that are coming back in style that were shit that, like, my... I was embarrassed of my mother doing on me when i was a kid in the 90s so it's like you know it is it's cyclical um coming back and i think that this show itself definitely has a huge like pull um because those styles are just like it's a beautiful show beautiful people in the show save for a few um damn all right who who who's your uggo who's your uggo <laughs> of the week that's well, our I'm not new gonna, segment like, judge but it's just like it if we want to get into that, like that for James, his forehead. Yeah. The, the infamous, when I was looking up a picture of the lad to, um, to, so to say, this is what the ideal man looks like. The first thing that came up was like Twin Peaks, James forehead, you know, like that yeah, was, it's that just, was it's, the, it feels so he's bad. got, he's got a five head or a six head. Um, I know we're just making fun of the way a man looks now. No, uh, I mean, he does, like, he, I think they emphasized him with his very, like, grumpy, like, like, over or under the brow, like, type of, like, brooding, like, high school boy whose girlfriend just died, but, like, he didn't really love her, that type of thing, and, you know, all this, um... What a... Sad, stoic, biker boyfriend. And, what a weird you know. casting for the sad, stoic, biker boyfriend. What a weird He's person a weird to cast. His energy yeah. is so the opposite of what you would initially think to cast. And it, uh, not the last time Twin Peaks will strangely cast a biker. See also Michael Sarah, But the... <laughs> It's just, it's such a bizarre <laughs> casting choice. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, I I don't fully understand it. And uh, it appears <laughs> that perhaps I, think, uh, yeah. I am not alone. I don't think, and this is just knowing, and I, I feel like I keep doing this, but I just feel like throughout the entire show, James never really finds his character. And I don't think uh-huh. they ever wrote him to really be a full-fledged character. Like... As much as I, like, I don't love Donna, but she is, like, the, she is a well-written best friend 
whose like whose best friend has died, the like the widowed best friend. She is a well written character for that. And I think she like and I was really noticing it with her like her family, with the her dad, the doctor, and her mom, and her sister who rarely ever shows back up. Um is such a character that was like the only character of privilege in this entire town as far as now like a happy and comfortable passed. family. <laughs> uh-huh. Right. The blossom of the night type type of thing. But I think like yeah, I don't the I don't know if James ever really got his <laughs> I know. And like she just fucking sneaks out and then her dad is like, We're so lucky to have a daughter like you. Like, come the fuck on. She snuck Come out of the house on. and like terrified you that she like you like you thought she was fucking dead and now you're thanking her for doing uh-huh. that. <laughs> and like I know that parents sometimes have you know blind spots for their own kids, but like you really like your daughter snuck out during the murder times after her best friend died and you don't have like a little suspicion just a little of lecture in there. You don't have like a little like I, I guess I'm not saying you should automatically think your daughter is guilty of crimes, but, like, you don't have any questions <laughs> about what she was doing? You're just like, oh, my perfect, well, no, he was just like daughter? He was like, I know you well enough to know that if you did it, you did it for a reason. I don't know, man. Not that you're a fucking minor that could have been murdered after your best friend was murdered literally the day before literally the day before right we trust you you. we trust you donna (laughs) you don't want to you know (laughs) don't want to bring that up a little bit (laughs) i don't know man not how i do it but i'm not a parent what do i know yeah who knows i certainly don't i don't know it goddamn not about parenting for sure no master class uh... in parenting from this show for sure we'll look at leland and uh um, what's her mom's name? Oh, I have no fucking idea. Can't remember. Mrs. Leland. Sarah. Sarah. Leland sure. and Sarah. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh that's uh sounds uh good. Yeah, we haven't talked about he's not in this episode a whole lot. My my man Ray Weiss. <laughs> and I love him. I what a great actor. What a guy I'm always happy to see. You know, I'm starting to actually connect some dots here that I think the creators of the aforementioned How I Met Your Mother really like Twin Peaks because Kyle McLaughlin and Ray Ray Weiss both have recurring roles on How I Met Your Mother. Um, what? So I'm starting to, yeah. Uh, Ray Weiss plays, uh, this will mean nothing to you, but the father of Robin Sherbatsky. Um, I, mean, I, know, is, I know the characters. I'm, who I'm, is our favorite? Kobe Smulders' is dad yes. on TV. Yeah. And uh, Kyle McLaughlin played a character called The Captain, uh, who was obsessed with nautical stuff and ref- and uh, made everyone refer to him as the captain, who I believe also dated the character Robin Sherbatsky. There was something mm-hmm. about the Canadian mm-hmm. character on How I Met Your Mother that, like, they just zoned in Twin Peaks cast members. I guess they were fans. That's what I'm getting from okay. this. There simply was not enough screen time for me to get a, a true read on the guy in this in this pile alone. There were a lot of characters, a lot of yeah. characters that uh, were being introduced. Some of whom 
uh, so far have no relation to Laura Palmer, so I'm curious as to why they're on the show. Uh, but I guess I'll find out why the owner of the log mill is important. I guess I'll I mm-hmm. guess I'll learn that later. You will. Yeah. Okay. I think like what's so like lovely about this, and I don't even think it's a spoiler, is like what makes Laura's death so traumatizing for this town is that she did have a relationship with so many people in this town as being kind of like a uh, beauty queen, not beauty queen, but like prom queen, like extracurricular earning, um, volunteer driven, like teenager that was like had the facade of being, you know, I don't even, I don't even know if there's a word for it, but she had like this whole trope illusion around her that was like, she was the she was the um, golden girl. She was the yeah, she like was, she was, she was the, quote unquote everyone's girl next favorite. Door. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know the 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 picturesque. You know, like oh, she's smart. She does extracurriculars. Everyone knows her. Everybody likes yeah. her. Um, and uh, somehow, oh, that mm, seems to be more going on there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't. Oh, what are we gonna <laughs> so do? So much about more. That? Oh my God, that's so. Dist- oh no. <laughs> Oh, that's not good. Uh, yeah, I guess we'll. I guess we'll find out. I guess we'll find out what else is going on uh, with uh, Laura Palmer. Yeah, she's and, uh, she's a. I don't know. I love her character so much. I think she's. I don't know. It's so hard to talk about it knowing. So hard to talk about it within the just single singular context of the pilot. Um, mm-hmm. And you, ju- I think you just see her as the corpse i don't even think outside of the um the picnic video which is also like really quite cute and lovely Mm um like yeah um but i don't know there's something with seeing a character singularly as a corpse that is like the like quote-unquote exclusive corpse that you know all of these characters are reacting to and is like the um the conduit of all of these characters like sorrow and trauma and pain that like i don't know what i'm trying to say kind of like maybe i should have thought of this before i started talking about it i'm sorry (laughs) oh well if you want to think about everything before doing it you will be a terrible podcaster you need to to just barrel on i am whoever is listening to this right now knows that i am definitely the superior podcaster of the two of us um, Listen, I just know with how to all yak. of my complete with all of my complete thoughts. And <laughs> I just I just know how to fucking yak on and on and, and start talking and then eventually fill it in. It's just it's a learned yeah. skill, you know, yeah. learn it. Um, maybe I'll learn. Maybe I'll learn it. Yeah, you just need time to learn it. You know, you just, <laughs> you're, you're you're you've only just started, you know, and it really yeah. you just need to just it just takes time. You know, how you get to fucking <laughs> Carnegie Hall, don't you? Yeah. Hey, practice. Practice. Hey, practice. get the fucking Carnegie Hall, don't you? Practice. Yeah, that's the it's as simple as that. That's the right. Yeah. Accent. Well, it's in New York. Carnegie Hall's in New York. Mind you. Yeah, but Brad Pitt's character was from Maynardville, Tennessee. Well, Quentin Tarantino <laughs> did not invent that phrase. Actually. <laughs> It existed before him. I don't know if you know this about Quentin Tarantino. He likes to kind of remix things a little bit. 
he's a. I know you think everything in his movies is purely original, but if you mm. actually, if you, you know, if you you can look up these great videos, <laughs> say every reference in, uh, and uh, and they'll tell you where he got all his great ideas. I appreciate the pandering. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. Uh, perfect. Uh, great. Any any other thoughts on this here uh, pilot? for the television show Twin Peaks. We've had a good hour, I think. We have had a good hour. Um, I don't know. I just... Who's your favorite character so far? Oh, Dale Cooper. And it's not even like a... Yeah. It's not but even like, like not Dale Cooper. But like okay, fine. Dale. If we're excluding Dale Cooper, if we're taking him out of the equation, then... Then the... <laughs> The one who's not Kitty, the one, the secretary. I don't, Lucy. uh, Lucy, Lucy. uh, Lucy is my favorite character so far. Oh, that's nice. Any Um, particular reason? Uh, she was funny and she made me laugh. And I thought that was nice. I, uh, I don't, I don't, I'm not interested because she's like a very (laughs) deep, uh, character, but honestly, you know, with all these fucking morose teens, it's like, it's very Mm -hmm. nice to get just like the funny secretary (laughs) character. I was a big fan. Uh, who are you expecting me to say? I don't know. Honestly, one of the so one of the hot ladies, I guess. No. Yeah. No. I was just curious. Yeah, that's it. So yeah, I guess we we can keep checking back in on uh, who's my favorite character, who is not Dale Cooper, um, a race that I am not. Again, I don't think will get interesting until the return. At which point, I think the fucking <laughs> all bets are off. Uh, and I don't, I don't think we're ranking anything on this one. Um, nah. I don't know what we would rank episodes. I don't think so. I don't even. Um, I don't even know if this is quite the show yet for ranking. Um, I don't think so. And I, no. you know, not all art needs to be reduced down into ranked and numbered lists. Yeah. Um, some of it, you know, sometimes it's fun. Uh, I do it all the time mm-hmm. on Letterboxd.com. But uh, you know, sometimes you can just let you just let something be, and uh, mm-hmm. and we'll and we'll we'll keep we'll keep uh, let it keep track of it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, maybe yeah. something will organically arise, or maybe it won't. And I mean, okay. you have not seen the middle of season two. <laughs> yeah. So we will we will revisit well, this conversation. We'll have to think about things to entertain ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to find <laughs> new methods. Oh, of, I know. Uh, I think we'll have plenty to talk about. Oh, honestly, good, 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 good. But... <laughs> yeah, there's that one guy that you brought up to me. His name escapes me. Wyndham um, Earl. Yeah, Wyndham Earl. Earl. And uh, the people and listening our... to this who have seen it understand. <laughs> they know. I'm sure Vern Tooley, who did our artwork, is like, "Ooh, that Wyndham Earl!" Um, <laughs> and he threw his hat on the ground and he stomped on it like a cartoon, yeah. uh, like mm-hmm. Yosemite Sam. Uh, he went, "Tarnation, that Wyndham Earl!" And uh, that'll be good. I kept the the fun joke about Wyndham Earl that we had was that I kept uh, just saying plot points from the book Frankenstein about Wyndham Earl and you kept saying that they were Stop it. close which was like that was fucked up do you still have those screenshots of that conversation I probably do yeah I okay, seem to perfect. remember when uh, when we were talking about that so I can go back and look but yeah I did say that. yeah we'll, we'll touch base um, I think just by virtue of the fact that I lived where I lived but you and I were talking every day it was September uh, so that is where yeah. you will have to. That is where you'll have mm-hmm. to go back to. But uh, this this is uh, fun. Uh, Emma, next uh, week, what? How many episodes are we talking about? What are we looking at next week? Next week? Well, you know, next week in can next, in, wink, uh, wink. 
Wink next time. Wink, wink. wink. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Next week. I don't know. I think we could do. Wink. I don't know. Initially, I was like, I think we should do the first season one at a time. But I actually watched this morning. I got up really early and I watched the first episode. But then I just kept it going. Um, uh-huh. The second and the third episodes might be okay to do together. We might want to lump asking? those up. Yeah, that's what yeah. I'm asking. I think we'll touch yeah. base with you at the end of every episode, and you will tell me because uh, inevitably episode. I will have watched the next episodes following uh, it. I don't want to stop. Yeah. yeah, and you will uh, be reminded of whether or not they are interesting enough to have a whole podcast episode about. Yeah. Um, so yeah. yeah, that's how we'll do it. If you're uh, playing along at home, just like uh, Emma will tell us what we're watching next week because I have <laughs> no fucking idea. Uh, I was yeah. I was you know booking the community episodes left and right, but I've seen that show many times, and I've seen Twin Peaks zero times. So I I have no I have nothing, and I am not looking up some fucking chaotic watch guide where they're like actually you can skip all these episodes no <laughs> no you ever twin peak honestly one of the things that's kept People me out watch of every getting episode. yeah goddamn uh yeah. i hate when you get to those watch guides and they're like ah skip these uh they're just like they don't advance the plot they're just character stuff and i'm like i like character stuff you ever honestly something that kept me out of getting into twin peaks sooner was like if you talk to a twin peaks fan they're like Oh yeah, ninety percent of it's garbage. Oh yeah, no. no, but like, oh, the good stuff is good. <laughs> like, oh, but There's you just still... can't watch most of the very long second season. Is <laughs> that's the same? It's like... like that's the perfect word. It is too long. They gave them too much to work with, and so they, as true artists, inevitably, inevitably failed with too much freedom. And, yeah, and but but honestly. Still... Honest... In it, there are still there's still good shit in it. But we can, they couldn't can pick, stop. Like they couldn't stop. They're just like, let's just go deeper. Let's just keep going. Let's just fill up the time. We've got this like half-assed idea. Let's go with it. But there's still the characters persist, and then we get to where we needed to go towards the end of the season. And I think most of it is still worth watching for that. It's not like our character, like our favorite characters just dipped out as far as character development went. Um, Some of them just aren't, you know, as good as like these first couple episodes that we're going to cover as far as character development goes. No, for sure. And there also was that weird thing to my understanding that CBS made them reveal who the killer was in like the middle of the second season, which seems for this show pretty bad, pretty bad decision, actually. Seems mm-hmm. like maybe not a great idea to do it in like the middle of the second season. Maybe not yeah. a great idea. Uh, I, I get mean, why you can't do like, it yeah. at the end of the yeah. season because then no one will come back next season. But like yeah. weird call, weird call. <laughs> and it sits really weird and like in the whole like scheme of the second season, um, because it's like okay now we know, and so us as audiences are like this is what we're here for. Why Why are we still in this town? Why would I keep hanging out here? I guess I yeah. like the characters, but like we know Except who killed Laura Dale Palmer. just keeps hanging out in this town. Right. He has no reason <laughs> to be next. here. And I liked him a lot, actually. Um, but I'm starting Some to get a weird, like, here, I guess. <laughs> why is this a good decision for him to keep being here? Um, but also keep being an FBI agent just like doesn't make a ton of sense. 
Um, oh well. Oh well. I guess we'll get there. I guess we'll get there when we come to it. Yeah. Fucking Star Trek The Next Generation. You ever talk to a Star Trek The Next Generation fan when they're like trying to get you into no. the show and they're like, okay, you have to skip pretty much everything in the first and second seasons uh and then honestly it's pretty hit or miss after that but oh man the good episodes and i'm like this sounds hard it sounds hard to live your life <laughs> it's like doctor who though honestly oh jesus christ well i've never gotten into that show either really no uh i had some friends in college try to get me into it i watched a little of the tenant stuff i watched a little mm-hmm. of the first one i ever saw um was my freshman year of college uh, someone who lived in the area like invited us over to their parents' house to watch cable to watch like a mid-season premiere or a season premiere and the first thing I ever saw Doctor Who do was step out of a TARDIS and say let's kill Hitler and I was like this show's weird everyone likes this show that was Matt Smith that was Matt, Matt Smith. Smith but then I yeah. later went back and watched more uh, David Tennant and I thought it was yeah. honestly my favorite Doctor Who that I've seen uh christopher eccleston thought he was yeah. great those He's episodes great. are weird and interesting so genuine yeah so genuine and so strange yeah and so unique i know i yeah i've got a bit of a soft spot for matt, matt smith myself because i think he was my first doctor or at least the one that like when i started getting into doctor who when i was in high school he was the one where like cur- the current doctor i guess and putting out like newer episodes at the time um but no i agree i enjoyed christopher eccleston's character um or his doctor so much more than any of them to date Mm -hmm. i think but that's not to say that i i started and stopped watching it in high school yeah um i just never got into it i guess everyone assumes that i did because of everything about me and i understand that um, nah, yeah. it's the Star Wars thing yeah. where everyone just like assumes I'm really into Star Wars and that's not like a big problem in my life like I can just say like oh I'm not really into it but everyone just like assumes that I'm really into Star Wars and I simply don't care I simply don't I think a couple of the movies are good some of the mm-hmm. games are fun those are fun you get to swing a sword around that's great but like I'm not watching the cartoon show for babies but everyone thinks that i do <laughs> that i watch all the cartoon shows for babies and i don't do that like are you talking about the clone wars Is that what you're sure talking? and rebels <laughs> and everyone's like oh they're really oh, good and i'm that. like i am not eight i am I not eight years old i I've tried seen all the movies i have not seen any of the shows i have seen for Mandalorian. most of the movies <laughs> and uh i hear the mandalorian is good no. But then, but then the second season they started bringing in a bunch of shit from the Clone Wars cartoon show, and I'm like, well, I don't want to watch this show now. It's just like if you've seen a western, um, you've seen Which all that the Mandalorian has to offer, um, mm-hmm. and if you really don't give a shit about like Star Wars lore, like the don't. best episode in the second season was the one with uh, Ahsoka Tana. I think that's what her name is. Rosario name Dawson is. in uh, Rosario Dawson. Yeah. She's the best part of it, which is fascinating. But, like, if you don't give two shits about it, it's still it's just I, like, okay. I don't. <laughs> She's from the cartoon show, which I didn't I'm assuming watch. this is cool. <laughs> Did not watch the cartoon show, actually. Um, anyway. 
<laughs> this has been our podcast about the first episode of Twin Peaks. This has been... Let's, let's shit on Marvel. Wait. Let's shit on Star Please. Wars. Um, We're behind the paywall. In between, I, we will, I am in even, between, we will talk about Twin Peaks. I am even more unbridled behind the paywall. Right? And it's like... <laughs> And and you, God bless you. And you know, I love my hosts, my co-hosts of Advanced Media Studies, but they want to talk about the MCU a lot. And I was very <laughs> thankful when before we pressed record, when I was like, "Do you want to talk about that Spider-Man movie you saw?" And you were like, "No." <laughs> that was that was the best gift you could have given me. I think. So thank you for that. Uh, so yeah, we'll be back next week. So we're doing a, we're doing a double dip next time um uh, and uh that'll that'll be that'll be fun uh that'll be a good time and we are uh here waiting for laura uh a, a title we did not explain at all no in Should in we? retrospect i don't think so. uh Should sure we? it is a it has a double meaning of uh, uh ev- people in universe waiting for laura and me personally waiting for the appearance of laura dern who I've heard is on this show at some point, and I am waiting for her. Every episode, Laura Dern check. No Laura Dern in this episode. <laughs> we'll, we'll end every episode like that. Like, amount of Laura Derns in this episode? Zero? Okay. Zero. We'll, we'll Laura, better luck next time. Laura Dern watch. <laughs> Days since Laura Dern appearance. One. <laughs> Um, or zero. I don't know. Yeah, this has been a damn fine podcast. <laughs> That's how we're going <laughs> to sign off. Yeah, you'll love That's that. <laughs> I'm an American person.